0: The Truth News Network. More violence, more threats, more intimidation, more price increases, shortages, spiking taxes, and our leaders are swimming in lies. You need real clarity. You need the truth. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And your leader is
1: Dan Newman. Just because we think we've arrived, that we've got it all figured out, doesn't automatically mean we're correct, folks. I, I, I'm a, I'm a half-full glass guy. I like to think about things from a positive perspective, starting there before ever going downhill. But when we look at what's going on around us, folks, and how it just seems to grow in uproar and furor, on a daily basis. It's really easy to get negative about all this stuff, isn't it? Well, let's just do this. Let's just make a decision. We're not going to let it get us down. That's not where we're going. We believe in we, the people. We believe that we're better than all of the chaos and the corruption and all of the gross misunderstandings that really aren't misunderstandings. Every day we find out more and more. Those are purposeful things. That people in our lives that have control of communicating to us, in large regard, they just go after it. They don't care about it being true or not. They want to keep us right where they want us to be. They want us to live in perpetual fear and look up to the top to those that are our leaders, supposedly the ones that are going to lead us through the valley to get us to the mountaintop and give us facts, give us positive input to get us there. And yet, as it plays out every day, the exact opposite seems to be true. That's just the way we are rolling now, folks, in the United States of America, in North America. Now, you throw Canada into this thing. I mean, we're watching tyranny play out just across our southern border, uh, excuse me, our northern border. And maybe it was a faux pas when I slipped and said southern border because tyranny's playing out down there. Well, what are you talking about? Is there a bunch of new news at the southern border? No. It just keeps going on and on and on and ramping up more and more people every day, every week, every month of flooding across our southern border with no input from our government to stop it in any way, although it, every time it happens, it's violating federal law. We don't hold those lawbreakers accountable, but what we do And who we do hold accountable is anybody. Oh, if you disagree with the government, with the Biden administration, you're going to prison. You're going to get locked up. That may sound a bit extreme, but do you know today there are 300 Americans that are still locked up in Washington, D.C. because they went to a demonstration, a protest on January 6th, more than a year ago. Do you understand that's still going on right now in your country? Many of these people haven't been given the provision of real representation. They haven't been given the right, the constitutional right, to a speedy trial. And very few of them are even charged with any kind of felony. And yet, we've got story after story day after day, over and over and over again, people that are multiple offenders. We've got a story today about this crazy district attorney in Manhattan. He let a guy go free, no bail, that has 40 previous felony convictions, serious crimes, and he lets him walk, and yet we have approximately 300. We don't even know what the real number is, but any number of our fellow Americans that are being held by our federal government in any way whatsoever for more than a year in many cases. This is ludicrous. This is not freedom. This is not justice. This is certainly not liberty and justice for all and we're supposed to be the the freest, the greatest nation on the planet right now while our leaders or they're not just watching us go to the pot. They're leading us to that. Just sit down and shut up and let them tell us what's best for us and do what's best for us with no regard for our thoughts, our feelings, the things, the guarantees that we've been given, not by our government folks, but by our Creator. Unalienable rights. Unalienable means nobody can touch them. They belong to us, period, beginning, end. They are ours individually. This debacle that's going on still up at the Canadian border. Justin Trudeau, we've got some stuff today about Justin Trudeau. We're going to let you hear him damn himself from his own mouth. I know you may not think that could be possible. Nothing like that happens anywhere in the world, right? A leader... A leader actually turns around and walks away from what they said several years ago. We see that happen every day with our own leaders. How many times have we on this show given you examples from his mouth? Joe Biden just going 180 degrees away from positions in pretty much every part of the political spectrum that he maintained for decades and we have video that document it, and he just turned and walked away from those things that were the fundamental pillars of freedom that he espoused in front of cameras when he was a U.S. senator for 40 years. He walked away from those. Justin Trudeau, a young man, in just a matter of years, he's trampled all over some of the constitutional Canadian ideals that belong to the Canadian people He's walking all over. He's trampling all over those today. And then we have our media. They are so honest and sincere and transparent, giving us just the facts, right? Our friends down under Sky News, you haven't heard from them in a while here on this show. It's not because they're not down there doing their job. In fact, I wish we could bring a lot of Sky News folks and their operating procedures up here to Yankee country because they do it a whole lot cleaner, a whole lot more transparently and honestly than do 99% of our media folks. Why don't we launch right into that? Let's just go down this road. This You remember the John Durham report that came out a week and a half ago now, where he did a court filing late Friday, a week ago, in which a document was filed that kind of gave light to the fact that he has found a whole bunch of evidence, not hearsay, not even testimony, but evidence that proves that many people, not just one or two, but a whole slew of people affiliated part of the Hillary Clinton 2016 presidential campaign, they created a false narrative, an entire story faking evidence to tie Donald Trump to Vladimir Putin and Russia and that those two got their heads together to make sure that Trump beat Hillary Clinton. You remember that? It was all manufactured. We knew it was, but Durham put some more information out in the marketplace of ideas that says, yeah, we found some of that I even named names, gave some specific evidence. Well, I mean, Everybody on the right in media. I'm not talking about CNN and MSNBC, even the three big broadcast news networks, ABC, CBS, and NBC, none of them. But I'm talking about the real truthful folks like the Wall Street Journal. Most of the time, their editorial board is right down the middle. Of course, One America News, Newsmax, Fox News, they were all over it, giving us, giving their viewers, giving their readers actual facts. It is a fact now, folks. Hillary Clinton herself has been implicated and is guilty if the evidence bears itself out. And I don't think John Durham, he is not political in any way. He never has been. We on the right wanted him to get a bit political, to push back against what we saw constantly against everything American, against freedom by mainstream media during Trump's four years in the White House. We wanted him to take it the other way, tilt it somehow, Mr. Durham, but he wouldn't do it. He didn't say a word about any of this, and still the evidence began to show up. Evidence, facts, you know, those good things where you can make good stories, truthful stories that prove and disprove a lot of the crazy stuff that's out there. Every day, 24 7. One would think that a reputable news outlet like ABC owned, excuse me, ATT owned CNN, they would come forward and maybe they got called out with this. You would think they may slip to the middle of the road and be a little more objective about their reporting. If you thought that, you would be dead wrong. Now, what I'm about to play for you folks, this will toast you. This is on CNN yesterday. And little Brian Stelter, who's supposed to be the watchdog for CNN, making sure that all news media folks are being clear and honest and reporting the truth, only the truth. They're the watchdogs, CNN and Brian Stelter, to make sure everybody is right on track all the time they actually weighed into yesterday on air making fun of and laughing at John Durham's report and that the right-wing media, their term, went crazy about this Durham-Clinton thing when Durham came out and clarified it, according to Brian Stelter, and he did do that. But I want you to listen to these two nuts at CNN and they are painting a clear, true picture of this all for you crazy, far-right media sycophants in their course, or pointing their fingers at One America News, Newsmax, and Fox News. But listen to a manufactured story that has no foundation in fact whatsoever.
2: Never let the facts get in the way of a good conspiracy theory, the old saying goes. Well... That's not exactly how the old saying goes, but it sure was on display this week. A story about the former president and Russian phones and all sorts of characters exploded into wild accusations about Hillary Clinton and even the death penalty. But now, poof, the story has mysteriously all but disappeared from those right-wing outlets. So what happened? CNN chief media correspondent Brian Stelter, host of Reliable Sources, joins me. Now, Brian, this is a complicated story. It's based off of an actual legal filing. But to get from there to here, what happened?
3: There's always a little germ of truth here, and it starts this time last week with special counsel John Durham, who's been investigating the origins of the FBI's Russia probe. He submitted a vague technical filing. Here's the CNN headline about it saying, special counsel Durham alleges Clinton campaign lawyer used data to raise suspicions about Trump. Okay, so a little bit of a story, a germ of a story, but it was suddenly blown up by right-wing media as if Trump had been proven right, that he was spied on, that there was the crime of the century. Here's the Wall Street Journal editorial board saying, Trump really was spied on. Donald Trump himself said in a statement at a stronger time in our history, the death penalty will be applied to the criminals here. This was Trump as victim being proven right, even though that was not true at all. This went on for days and days in right-wing media and so, until, John, it started to fizzle.
2: It started to fizzle because John Durham released a follow-up statement to clear things up, Yes.
3: That's right, the air air started to fizzle out of a balloon that shouldn't have been blown up in the first place. Here's the New York Times headline saying Durham distancing himself from the Fuhrer in right-wing media, he basically acknowledged that the internet data question here, it came from the Obama era, not the Trump era. But already there have been five and six days of hyped, uh, completely crazy coverage from right-wing media trying to prove Trump right. That is always the issue in these stories, John. There's an attempt by his surrogates and allies to try to say Trump is right even when he's wrong, and it distracts from the real news that you covered earlier this hour about the real crimes and sins of the Trump era, for example, with classified documents. They just wanna talk about Hillary Clinton instead. So all the headlines for the past week have been about Hillary Clinton allegedly spying, and now it's all fallen apart. So what has Fox done? They've moved on. They basically talking about Hillary at all. She did say in a speech yesterday uh, that this would come close to actual malice. Basically, she was putting these right-wing outlets on notice saying, you're coming close to libeling me. I don't think she's actually going to sue, John, but it's notable she's saying that. Because even in 2022, Hillary Clinton is still the right-wing's boogie woman. They still treat her as this terrifying presence. They claim she's going to run for president in 2024. They just can't get enough of Hillary.
1: Brian Stelter,
2: thank you very much.
1: Now, come on, folks. Come on, folks. Oh, it you know, that was crazy. They quit talking about it. Folks, yesterday I watched two interviews with some experts, some legal experts on Fox News, going into exactly how deep this wrongdoing was by the Clinton campaign and how deep and much deeper it's headed to be as more and more comes uncovered. But if you listen to Brian Stelter there, The lapdog for the CNN sycophants that don't have the kahunas to step up for themselves. If you listen to that, it's like, oh, it was no big deal. You heard him say this. I love this. Oh, John Durham wanted to clarify. He put distance between him and the right-wing media sycophants by saying, this all happened during the Obama administration. It didn't happen during the Trump administration. Well, guess what? The campaign of 26, where it started, by the way, and where a Democrat, James Comey, who was then FBI director, was investigating the Clinton campaign during the Obama administration because Obama was still in the White House till after the 2016 election. You know how that works, Brian. You don't take the office of the presidency the day of the election if you win, right? Right. There's this thing called an inauguration that's set for January 20th, the following year. Is it, do you think CNN, Brian Stelter, they think their viewers are so stupid that they don't understand that? And oh, by the way, the Durham filing said this, all of this hacking and getting information electronically, unethically slash illegally did happen when Trump, it continued, it carried over to when Trump became president, January the 20th of 2017. So Stelter lied in that regard because I've read the filing. We read most of it to you here on TNN Live when Durham first put it out a week and a half ago. But yet, here they are. Who did they work for? Well, AT&T. AT&T is very heavily connected in politics. They spent millions of dollars in campaign contributions in 2016 and 2018, in 2020. And who in large part did at and support? Candidates on the left. 2016? Hillary Clinton. You don't think they would do something like that. I mean, elections are fair and honest. well, Folks, it just matters who's got the biggest, loudest microphone in the room. And uh, folks like Zuckerberg at Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, they prove to us facts don't matter, folks. It's who's got the biggest, deepest wallet and pockets and what they're willing to spend to go buy whatever information and get people to believe it, no matter if it's truthful or not. Let me let me speak to my Christian brothers and sisters just for a second. We're into the eschatology, the prophecy, the way this end time is going to lay out. And we begin to talk about Christians and getting ready for the second coming of Christ and the rapture of the church to heaven where all Christians will be snatched up in the air that are alive and the dead will join them in the air when the rapture takes place and we all go to heaven and live for eternity. In heaven, I'm looking forward to that. I believe it's going to happen in my lifetime. I really do sincerely. Now, there may be some clicking going on right now as some of you hear me say that and they think, oh my gosh, we've got this religious zealot doing this show. I'm not a religious zealot, but I am a scripture believing Southern United States man. And I grew up in the church and I believe when the Bible says something is so, it's so. And I brought that up to tell you, I'm speaking directly to the Christians. You don't understand. It was pointed out to me a week and a half ago. I grew up in this. My dad was a pastor. I was raised on a church pew. I know the Bible pretty well. But I forgot one little thing. At the end of all of this, all of the Christians that have been born again, they believe Jesus Christ is is the son of God, that he died and he rose for forgiveness of our sins and that we can live sinlessly and have an advocate when we do mess up and ask for forgiveness and be forgiven. And for those who live their lives with that fundamental working out in their lives are promised eternal life down the road. But when all of the chaos the battle of Armageddon before it happens, but when all of the stuff that's going on around us on earth today that we can look at much of it and say, this is biblical, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Do you know what the Bible says happens at the end? Two-thirds of the quote-unquote elect. Now, who comprised the elect in the Bible? Christians that are following Christ, that have accepted him as their Lord and Savior, two-thirds will be deceived and they fall away, two-thirds. And why would that happen? How would that happen? If you're locked in, why would you walk away from it if you believe it, if it's changed your life? It's because so much of the circumstances that we live in, which come primarily from what? the information that we absorb, the things that we listen to and watch and we choose to make part of our mindset. Free will. You remember that? Free will. We have the right to make a choice and do whatever we think. Of course, there are consequences that go along with it. But two-thirds of the Christians that have been faithful to walking down the road, straight and narrow, doing the right thing, living the kind of life they're supposed to live, are going to turn and walk away from what? The truth. The truth. So don't get uppity. Don't think you're better than everyone else. Even if you're a Christian, don't be deceived into thinking that. You are not insulated from wrongdoing and evil. You're going to face it in your lifetime. We all are our success on the other side of it is based solely on the choices you make, the choices that I make. If we want to reject that, if you want to reject what Brian Stelter just said, because it's not true, and just because AT&T owns CNN that's losing millions of dollars every day, because they, they have no advertising, they have no support. Folks, on this show, on this show, some days... We have more people listening to TNN Live than CNN does watching their network. Think about that for a second. Why is that? It's because people are turning away from lies. You can only process it so long before even people that are just stuck in the groove of I am not going to think of, listen to, watch or even let any kind of media that's conservative come into my head. Even people that think like that. Finally, folks, unless they're just stone-cold stupid, they're going to say, maybe I need to start shopping around just to make a comparison to see if what I'm digesting is true. There are a lot of people that won't even do that. I get it. There are a lot of people that are hardcore right. But most conservatives in America today, listen to what I'm about to say to you. Most conservatives are not just hard, core locked-in, one-issue kind of political people. They're free thinkers. They've lived in a world long enough where they understand they have not just the right, but they have the responsibility to look and examine at everything that they see, they read, they hear, they watch, and make a determination whether that's real or that's not real and make decisions based on that. That's what this whole Truth News Network, this whole thing is about, totally. TNN Live, I got to be honest with you, I love doing what we're doing. I love it because I get to communicate with thousands of of my fellow Americans that we have commonality. We believe many of the same things, but there are no demands coming on this show on any stories that we publish that tell you, you've got to believe what we're printing here. You've got to believe what we're saying here. If you don't, you're dead wrong and you're worthless. You'll never get that from us. Never. Everybody is welcome here. We want everybody to sample for themselves and make some choices having all the facts instead of just one little set of hand-picked facts. Now, I'm ranting right now. For those of you that weren't here at the beginning of the show, what I'm ranting about was the outcome of a story yesterday on CNN. Those of you who have been here since the beginning of the show, humor me. For two and a half minutes, for those of you that just joined in, I want you to hear what Brian Stelter and one of his compadres at CNN said about the John Durham report that was filed in court Friday afternoon a week and a half ago, which put on in the evidence by filing it in a court, put on that there is uncontroverted evidence that has been researched through testimony, through documents that prove there was spying going on on the Trump campaign and that it carried over into the White House through electronic surveillance when Trump became president. And of course, CNN ignores all of that and they picked up a narrative that their handlers obviously make sure that they put out there to cast doubt on facts. Listen to this two and a half minutes and we'll move on.
2: Never let the facts get in the way of a good conspiracy theory, the old saying goes. Well, that's not exactly how the old saying goes, but it sure was on display this week. A story about the former president and Russian phones and all sorts of characters exploded into wild accusations about Hillary Clinton and even the death penalty. But now poof, the story has mysteriously all but disappeared from those right wing outlets. So what happened? CNN chief media correspondent Brian Stelter, host of Reliable Sources, joins me. Now, Brian, this is a complicated story. It's based off of an actual legal filing, but to get from there to here, what happened?
4: There's
3: always a little germ of truth here, and it starts this time last week with special counsel John Durham, who's been investigating the origins of the FBI's Russia probe. He submitted a vague technical filing. Here's the CNN headline about it, saying, Special counsel Durham alleges Clinton campaign lawyer used data to raise suspicions about Trump.
1: It is in no way vague, as Brian Stelter just alleged, and he just gave one little leg of it. It's many, many pages, and what they do, as they always do, they cherry-pick to try to find some little nugget in there that they can use to diminish what the overall court filing was about.
3: OK, so a little bit of a story, a germ of a story, but it was suddenly blown up by right-wing media as if Trump had been proven right, that he was spied on, that there was a the crime of the century. Here's the Wall Street Journal editorial board saying Trump really was
1: spied on. The Wall Street Journal, Wall Street Journal board, they came out of the air somewhere with it and said Trump really did get spied on. But don't, don't, don't listen to them. Listen to us, the Wall Street Journal. They're over there. Those are hard right media folks, which they're not, and they don't always come out with a conservative concept about anything, the Wall Street Journal. They're pretty well known and well thought of for being kind of journalistic, you know, telling the truth most of the time. That compared to, uh, Brian Stelter and CNN.
3: Donald Trump himself said in a statement at a stronger time in our history, the death penalty will be applied to the criminals here. This was Trump as victim being proven right, even though that was not true at all. This went on for days and days in right-wing media until, John, it started to fizzle.
1: No, it didn't go on until the story started to fizzle. It went on until CNN said, guys, we got to put a stop to this. Let's come up with a plan. Let's put our lead dog out there, Brian Stelter. He's got the honesty and integrity, and all three of his viewers are going to listen to what he says, because, after all, he's Brian Stelter. So now, folks, drumroll. The facts come out. CNN dug into it and got the truth.
2: It started to fizzle because John Durham released a follow-up statement to clear things up, Yes.
3: That's right. The air air started to fizzle out of a balloon that shouldn't have been blown up in the first place. Here's the New York Times headline saying Durham distancing himself from the fuhrer in right-wing media. He basically acknowledged that the Internet data question here, it came from the Obama era, not the Trump era. But already there have been five and six days of hyped, uh, completely crazy coverage from right-wing media trying to prove Trump right. That is always the issue in these stories, John. There's an attempt by his surrogates and allies to try to say Trump is right, even when he's wrong. And it distracts from the real news that you covered earlier this hour about the real crimes and sins of the Trump era, for example, with classified documents.
1: Okay, enough of Brian. The only thing CNN ever does is when they're confronted with anything that doesn't fit within their pigeonhole narrative, whatever it is, the one of the day, the week, the month, the year, whatever, whatever they do, they come back and defend themselves. They were told somebody up the daisy chain, it may have gone all the way up to the board of directors of AT&T, CNN's parent company, I don't know. But it took five days, five days before they would give any pushback. If what they are alleging here is actually fact, wouldn't a good a professional journalistic operation especially a national news media network wouldn't they come out immediately and say folks there's a lot of uproar out there John Durham did make this vague court filing which that stelter's words anything but vague is the facts about Durham's uh, court document that he filed in the case it's very detailed very lengthy And by the way, it's got a lot of facts in it. If you want to find out for yourself, just go download it. It's right there for everybody. And Stelter, he knows that. So does the other guy, the anchor that was on with him. I can't remember his name. I've seen his face once or twice, but you know how that goes. CNN, they change just like they change shirts and underwear. Um, Nevertheless, the whole thing was to diminish, not with facts, but, you know, it's Donald Trump. Donald Trump, he's always got this thing. Anybody that says something that counters where he is, they're just evil, and they need to be put to death. Minimizing it. Didn't talk about any facts. Misrepresented Durham because Durham, he said in that, he's pointing out and clarifying the fact that this whole thing, this spying on the Trump campaign, began when Obama was president, and who was vice president? Who was vice president in 2016 in the fall when all this was going on? You know, they were in the White House. They're the bosses. It was Joe Biden. Don't think for a second that Durham clarifying that to point out that this really began before Trump was president was to point out in the clarification that he did put out Durham did put out, it said, this all happened during the Obama administration, not to make or diminish any of the quote-unquote furor on the right by far-right media, as Stelter called Fox News and One America News and Newsmax, (laughs) far-right as compared to CNN being what? I don't know what they are. Nevertheless, enough for that story, folks. I just want to let you know, when you think you're getting on top of it and you may begin to see some professionalism, some journalistic integrity, don't go down that road because there's none out there. We've got a lot of other things that we need to get to today, and I'm sorry if uh, I, I took up too much time on that. I want to weigh in on this, all of the news and stuff surrounding If we can get our arms around what's going on in Ukraine and with Russia, why and who and what are the plans and what's it going to look like, I want to go down that road. I also, it's very important that we look at the fallout from the Freedom Convoy up in Canada, and it's still not resolved, folks. There's a whole lot of uh, leftover stuff that's pretty nasty and we need to get into that. But there are some, some things that came out of that that pertain to you and me as Americans. And I want to I want to go down that road. And I want you to be thinking about this as we go to our first break. I want you to think about this. In fact, we'll do this. We're going to put Putin and Ukraine down a little ways. At the end of this break, coming back, we're going to talk about Canada. But folks, the decisions that their prime minister have made go toe-to-toe and exactly down the line of where you and I are today in the United States of America. Don't think that our leaders here aren't watching exactly what happened and how it unfolded in Canada and taking notes. As a matter of fact, Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister, it slipped out and he said he talked constantly with the white house during this whole problem that he had up there in Ottawa. Hmm. What's going on there? Maybe some Canadian American collusion that's next. And now back to John with the weather.
4: Yes, Andy. Tonight, a big storm. Storm this! Get the soccer offer from Pizza Hut and Pepsi. With every two medium pan super supreme, you get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. Yes, a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. Yes, Pepsi the soccer ball. Don't miss the Pizza Hut and Pepsi 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 soccer soccer offer with every two medium pan super supreme. You get a real soccer ball
3: and four cans of Pepsi for free. What about the weather, Andy? (laughs) Don't resist and call 19,000 now. Are you ready for best life minus the burnout? I'm Zuri Hall from NBC's Access
1: Hollywood, and my new podcast, Hot Happy Mess, is all about the most important VIP, you. Join us each Monday as we discuss relationships, self-care, career, and much more. Our podcast is for mindful, ambitious, diverse millennial women who are ready for more happiness, laughter, peace, and purpose now. iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts, and it's easy to see why. Listen to Hot Happy Mess every week on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Oh,
0: we may not be able to lower the cost of gas, but we can do something about how many miles you will drive per gallon. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store today and let us help you increase the performance of your car or truck. Simple things like replacing your air filter, changing worn out spark plugs, and using fuel injector cleaner can add up to better fuel economy and big savings. There's an O'Reilly Auto Parts store close to you that has the name brands, low prices, and people who can help. Restore lost fuel economy and eliminate rough idle with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts by two and get one free. Lucas fuel injector cleaner quickly cleans clogged injectors to increase fuel efficiency and help your vehicle run smooth. Lucas fuel injector cleaner buy 2 get 1 free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply. See store for details. O'Reilly,
4: oh, 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 O'Reilly. O'Reilly. Auto Parts.
0: Election cycles come and go. White House reporters come and go. The truth is a diamond because it's forever. TNN, the Truth News Network. Your jeweler today is Dan Newman. So let's go up north.
1: I got to be honest with you. I haven't been to Canada a bunch, but I've uh, I've been there. I guess maybe a half dozen times, and um, in fact. For those of you that know me personally, I wear an earring in my left ear, and I got it for my birthday many years ago at a street festival in downtown Montreal. I've been to Toronto a couple of times, actually was on a television network up there, did an ABC voiceover project, gosh, 25 years ago maybe, and um, got friends in Canada. I like Canada a lot. I think Canadian people in large part, are very much like the American people, and we're supposed to all be free. North America is supposed to be an entirely free and people-run continent, one of the only ones on the planet that is supposed to be that way. But now, forget about for just a moment what we're living in in the United States right now, which a lot of our freedoms have been quietly taken away from us. We didn't even know it was going on as it happened. And they would like to, by the way, take away a bunch more. But Canada, folks, it's pretty much in your faces there. Yesterday, after this whole convoy thing was broken up and the jackbooted thugs from Justin Perdove's, uh police force, national police force came in, they got physical with a bunch of these truckers. Folks, there was not one violent any kind of physical thing altercation that happened in the whole two weeks that was going on not one and you can bet your bippy if there was a single one that had happened it have been plastered all over the news because Justin Trudeau needed something like that to give him fuel to go to the Canadian people to make it oh this is terror going on he did say in parliament he did say there were violent extremists with swastikas. There were none of those. There was no terror. There was no beating up of people. There was no lawlessness going on. But he had to make a case. Now, what did he make his case for? Yesterday, he held a news conference, and he said that his government still needs the unprecedented emergency powers he demanded this month, even though police had already violently removed the Freedom Convoy protesters from Ottawa and no active Freedom Convoy protests are currently occurring anywhere in the nation. Now, doesn't that seem a little bit odd to you? Why would a leader of any country come back under these circumstances and try to sell the fact to his parliament that he needed unprecedented emergency powers going forward. This is what he said, quote, This state of emergency is not over. There continues to be real concerns about the coming days, he said. He gave no detail. He continued, People are out there indicating that they are ready to blockade to continue their illegal occupations, to disrupt Canadians' lives, we feel that this measure needs to remain in place," he said. "Folks, there's none out there. I looked all through the media to come up with a story that maybe, oh, maybe there was somebody out there threatening to do another freedom convoy, maybe on the other side of the country, you know, Vancouver up the on the uh, on the west, or even far east in Montreal. There's nothing pending." Nothing going on. There's no threat. But even with that, he continued before Parliament. Invoking the Emergencies Act has been necessary. Law enforcement agencies relied on it to set up secured areas in downtown Ottawa and at border crossings. It prevented foreign money from continuing to fund illegal blockades. And it's making sure our borders remain open. It has been the responsible thing to do, he argued. He said that invoking the Emergencies Act is necessary because the police needed more tools to restore order after weeks of dangerous and unlawful activities. There was no dangerous activities that went on at all. The worst, nastiest stuff that happened happened at the hands of guess who, Trudeau's Jack booted thugs. The Prime Minister complained that there was a flood of misinformation and disinformation that washed over Canada during the protest and said the Freedom Convoy received disturbing amounts of foreign funding to destabilize Canada's democracy. Folks, GoFundMe and a couple of different versions, Canadian versions of GoFundMe, those things were set up because these truckers who are the lifeblood of Canada, and they weren't getting paid while they voluntarily protested the mandates that Trudeau's government had put on the Canadian people across the board. And they tried, they being Trudeau and his minions, they tried to come up with all kinds of untruthful stories and narratives that they could sell to the world to justify what they did. I'll tell you what I saw, and I watched it closely. I didn't see any violence, not a single case. But on numerous occasions, I saw these protesters standing in groups together with a bunch of private Canadian citizens, and they were singing the Canadian national anthem and were saluting the Canadian flag. Don't you think that if there had been one incident of violence that it would have been plastered all over television for around the world? I mean, if something like this had happened in the United States, you know it would have happened. MSNBC, CNN, they would have created, they would have put together, they actually have paid actors to come in and create false pretenses so they could sell it to their public on televisions. I'm serious. That's happened numerous times. We've covered it here. In Canada, they they couldn't even do that. So what's going on up there? Trudeau said this, you can't harass your fellow citizens who disagree with you. You can't hold the city hostage. You can't block a critical trade corridor and deprive people of their jobs, he said, while he insisted he still respects the rights of Canadians to criticize his policies. He questioned the judgment and the patriotism of lawmakers who might vote against his extension of emergency powers, claiming their opposition indicates they don't trust the government to make incredibly momentous and important decisions at a very difficult time. Now, let me... Let me tell you, here's a news agency that pointed out a lie that Prime Minister Trudeau said. Al Jazeera, <laughs> a Middle East news agency, they, uh, they pointed something out. Only last week, Trudeau, only last week, he promised that his emergency measures would be, quote, time-limited, geographically targeted as well as reasonable and proportionate. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm laughing, but this mental midget, Justin Trudeau, we've seen him, the world has seen him in blackface three or four times in his career, but he is racially sensitive and he never has any racial thoughts In his whole body, he tells us, and he forgets that a week ago he said, he promised his emergency measures, there was only going to be one little version of it, and it was supposed to be over, that they would be, quote, time-limited, geographically targeted, as well as reasonable and proportionate. Now, let's tie what he's done, what he talked Parliament yesterday into doing. It's not time-limited. It's open-ended. It's not geographically targeted. Well, it is. It's for Canada, the whole country, as well as reasonable. How, if there's nothing pending in any way of any type of violence or insurrection or uprising, there's nothing out there. There's no threats. Whoever their FBI FBI counterpart is in, in Canada They've not reported anything pending or anything imminent. So, this Emergency Powers Act, it's not reasonable. And it's certainly not proportionate. If it was, they wouldn't have it. They wouldn't need it because there's no threat. There's nothing on the horizon that says in any way there may be something else that happens. But what does Trudeau get with this emergency act, this Emergency Powers Act, he can do whatever he wants to do. They can freeze private citizens' bank accounts. Do you understand that? They can keep people from going to work just by labeling them as potential terrorists. None of it has to go through the legislative process in Canada. It's almost the same thing In the United States, if martial law is declared, that means authoritarianism rules the entire country with Justin Trudeau being the authoritarian that has unchecked unilateral authority to do during this thing anything and everything he wants to do. So he's another one of those politicians that forgets every word he says, every video that he does, every appearance that he makes. It's captured for posterity. So we did just a little checking ourselves. I'm going to give you a little short, minute and 45 seconds. I want you to hear what Justin Trudeau has said in the last week about all of this. And then we're going to look back for a few years and see what he said. Here's Trudeau sometime late last week. Individuals are trying
4: to blockade our economy, our democracy and our fellow citizens' daily lives. It has to stop. The people of Ottawa don't deserve to be harassed in their own neighborhoods. They don't deserve to be confronted with the inherent violence of a swastika flying on a street corner, or a confederate flag, or the insults and jeers just because they're wearing a mask. If you joined the protests because you're tired of COVID, you now need to understand that you are breaking laws. The consequences are becoming more and more severe. You don't want to end up losing your license end up with a criminal record, which will impact your job, your livelihood.
1: So that is today's version of Justin Trudeau. So do you think he campaigned for prime minister and he said those things? Did you hear? You can't wave a swastika on the street corner or Confederate flags. Well, I know. I know, you know, he's, this is Canada. This is not the United States of America. Earlier, he even pointed out to Trump supporters. I guess maybe he forgets that nobody in Canada voted for Donald Trump. (laughs) It's a different country. But he made it in the very beginning. He made this entire thing about anti-vaxxers. These truckers, these protesters are anti-vaxxers. Only to then be informed, somebody leaned over and said, Mr. Prime Minister, they're not anti vax. 86% of the truckers in Canada are vaccinated. They're anti mandates. Oh, and then he dropped that narrative. Nobody had told him of that. But put all that to the side. What he just said, he just painted a grim picture and basically said, hey, we've got emergency. He didn't say this, but this was his inference we have emergency powers act back in in sway and you can't do anything that i tell you you can't do if you do you're going to go to jail you're going to lose your job we're going to we're going to put a hold on your your personal checking account which they're already doing folks do you know what that what that's all about can you imagine voluntarily not these truckers somebody said hey look these guys are out there they're protesting for us the people of canada their incomes is it's dried up they don't get paid if they don't drive they're not driving we got to help them out they started gofundme now that is an american company but there were two canadian companies that they started similar actions for what trudeau is able to do and is doing is accessing having the the bank of canada To access the accounts of people that donated as small as five to ten Canadian dollars. And they're freezing those people's accounts just for doing that, supporting a crazy thing democracy and the ability to stand up and peacefully protest. Here's Trudeau singing a little different song back in 2015. Fear is a dangerous thing.
4: Once stoked, whether by a judge from the bench or a prime minister with a dog whistle, there is no way to predict where it will end. These are troubling times. Across Canada, and especially in my home province, Canadians are being encouraged by their government to be fearful of one another. For me, it is both unconscionable and a real threat to Canadian liberty.
1: A real threat to Canadian liberty. What's a real threat? Well, in 2015, a real threat is... uh, Exactly what Justin Trudeau is doing right now. I guess these guys and these girls, they think their people don't remember that they weren't around in 2015, that there was no YouTube, that this truth news network down in the South, you know, down there where they, we fly the Confederate flag. We have Confederate flag tablecloths and plates with Confederate flags on them down here. We don't have the ability to say, hey, I wonder what Trudeau said in his past about this freedom thing for Canadians. And we just went and made a simple look and boom, here it is. He just damned himself with his own mouth. Now, two things and then we're going to move on. One thing is he bragged, Justin Trudeau bragged at the beginning of this saying he was getting the point-by-point point ways to handle this illegal demonstration slash violent protest in Canada, in Ottawa, he got the way to handle that from Joe Biden's White House, which means they've been in communication solid from the very beginning of this. And Trudeau asked, look, what should I do? What's the best thing? How did you handle it? In January 6th, a year ago. Well, they weren't in office then, but that doesn't matter. Here's what we would have done. And oh, by the way, I talked to Nancy Pelosi and I told her what to do, and here's what she did we just put them in jail. 600 of them plus bragged about it, I'm sure, and said, hey, they can't do anything to you. You're the prime minister, I'm the president. That freedom and justice thing only counts when we say it counts. So go get them, Justin. Go get them. So guess what is happening on the our side of the border stuff right now? And this has got to be petrifying Joe Biden and the administration. A trucker convoy that is today headed to Washington, D.C., They plan to shut down the Capitol Beltway later this week toward the weekend in protest of wide-ranging issues such as fuel prices, vaccine requirements, immigration. Bob Bolas, who owns a truck parts and towing business in Scranton, Pennsylvania, Joe Biden's old hometown, he said that he heard hundreds of people were interested in taking part in shutting down the roadway and protest. He said, I'll give you an analogy of that, of a giant boa constrictor that basically squeezes you, chokes you, and it swallows you. And that's what we're going to do to DC. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine what happened at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue when he was heard saying this? Bolus? Remember that name, Bob Boulos, Bolus, B-O-L-U-S, because he's probably going to be front and center, and they'll make him the poster child. They'll throw him under the jail. <laughs> he's a longtime supporter of Donald Trump. Oh, my gosh. He doesn't stand a chance. A TV station that reported it said the protest will leave a lane open for emergency vehicles for safety, but couldn't promise that commuters would make it to work on time. <laughs> We will not compromise anybody's safety or health one way or the other, he said. As far as if they can't get to work, geez, that's too bad. <laughs> I, I got to be honest with you. I haven't been to D.C. in quite a while, and it's the wrong time of year to go there. It gets kind of nasty in the wintertime. Boy, in the spring and the fall, it's gorgeous. Great food around town. I've got good friends there. I would I would love to be able to get to get the, the map of that route and and kind of get to the point you know the head of this, the steam get to the point where they're going to be there and just cook me a bunch of popcorn and get me some diet Pepsis and go sit in my lawn chair and watch this unfold because it's going to be epic. I promise you it's going to be uh, it's going be a once in a lifetime thing. And I think that there are people in this administration whose mouths are salivating because they can't wait to tie this thing on. And i got to be honest with you, that is so sad, so sad. But that's the world in which we find ourselves, folks. That's the way they roll in politics now. It's power. Power and control over the citizens of America.
0: Real Truth, Real News, TNN, The Truth News Network. Hey,
2: it's Garrett. The Poland Spring brand wants to provide more than 100% natural spring water, and they want to make a difference. That's why they're rescuing millions of pounds of plastic and transforming them into new bottles that are 100% recycled. You can join them by pledging to recycle your bottle, and for each pledge, Poland Spring will donate safe, clean drinking water to local communities in need. Go to polandspring.com
0: forward slash pledge to find out more. Select sizes only 20 up 700 milliliter, 1 liter and 1.5 liter size bottles. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents A Word from Your Wallet. ah. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices too. (laughs) I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. (laughs) Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well,
2: done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the uh, uh, uh,
0: uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. The following is an important time-insensitive announcement from Staples. Now, for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right, the clock is not ticking. Walk, crawl, or gag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries was $4.79 now just $2.99.
1: I promised you we'd get right to the Russian-Ukraine situation so you could get your mind wrapped around it. I'm going to give you a little bit of history just just to kind of get an idea of what's going on. There are regions within Ukraine that are different sects of people. And please understand this. In the old Soviet Union, Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union. And that's when Vladimir Putin was a leader in the KGB, which is the secret police, or it was, the uh, real jackbooted thugs during the years of the Soviet Union. Two of those regions are Donetsk and Luhansk. And they have a bunch of Russian people that live there. They have their separate governments. It's kind of like being states here in the United States. And so... What Vladimir Putin said yesterday was he was not going to invade Ukraine, but he was going to recognize that those two regions are sovereign entities, kind of like their own countries. Donetsk and Luhansk, Luhansk however, you, it's L-U-H-A-N-S-K. He said the separatists claim Now, this is a group of people that have pushed back and wanted to secede from Ukraine. He said that they claim Ukraine's eastern Donetsk and Luhansk regions as their own, but they only control about a third of them. So Putin told President Emmanuel Macron of France and Chancellor Olaf Scholz of Germany about his decision in phone calls yesterday. Notice he didn't call Joe but he did call Macron and Schultz. The president of Russia says he intends to sign the relevant decree in the near future, making those regions sovereign. The president of France and the federal chancellor of Germany expressed their disappointment with this development. At the same time, they indicated their readiness to continue contacts with Putin. So Putin then went to a session of the Russian Security Council, where he accused us, the U.S., and our allies of using Ukraine as an instrument of confrontation. He said the matter was a serious, very big threat to Russia. So, Russia's got tens of thousands of troops already along the Ukraine border. While it denies it's going to invade, the Kremlin has demanded NATO rescind its promise to admit Ukraine into the organization which it has flatly refused to do. Now, remember, I told you here what the real big thing about Ukraine and Russia is about. Vladimir Putin is horrified to think that Ukraine would be allowed to join NATO. What that does, any kind of military action that happens in that part of the world, as it would relate to any member of NATO, that means by the founding documents of NATO, If one member of NATO is impacted negatively by any country on the planet, every member of NATO must join with that company, that country, to defend it. That means everybody would be lined up against any kind of military action that would ever happen that involved Russia. The Ukraine government yesterday accused Russia of rigging explosives in eastern Ukraine, trying to manufacture a false flag terrorist attack as an excuse for them to invade the whole country. Macron announced on Sunday he had gotten both Putin and Joe Biden to agree to the principle of a summit in an attempt to de-escalate the conflict. But officials from both countries, they cast doubt on whether a meeting would ever take place. That's just the way it goes. So that's kind of the simple explanation of where we are. So where do we fit into this whole thing? Well, you know, we have that brain surgeon in the White House who is a foreign policy expert, has a career of making great decisions. He tells us, I can't think of a single one. I know of many that he has made and every one of them was a bomb. Nevertheless, Joe Biden is in the White House, is our commander-in-chief, and he's the guy. So, Putin's decision to send more troops into Ukraine would not, we are told, trigger sanctions that were prepared by the White House and leaked to us yesterday. If Putin goes in, here's what's going to happen. Bam, 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 bam. Well, late yesterday a White House official explained that Biden's position during a conference call may not be as it was relayed to us originally. They, these officials, Biden folks, reacted anonymously to Putin's decision to send Russian troops into Ukraine's Donetsk and Luhansk regions for peacekeeping after those two territories declared their independence from Ukraine. Russian troops moving into Donbas would not itself be a new step. That's what this anonymous official said. Now, what does that mean? Well, based upon what Joe Biden said that he was going to do, he was going to put sanctions if Putin went into Ukraine with more troops. Well, Putin's going into Ukraine with more troops. And so Joe sent his lapdogs out to say, well, that's really not an incursion. Russia's had forces in the Donbass region for the past eight years, so this is not doing something wrong. He was already doing it. Do you see where this is going? Folks, everybody over there, Ukraine, Germany, Russia, they have something on this president. You can book it. And they will push him to the line in every incident in which they need him to back off. They've got sufficient stuff to force him to back off. So Putin going ahead and thumbing his nose at Biden and sending these troops it, um, It's put Joe in a difficult spot. They have repeatedly said that large numbers of troops crossing the Ukrainian border would be considered an invasion. And so, what's a large number? Obviously, it's not 100,000 because that's how many are there now, overnight. Biden signed an executive order yesterday that would restrict economic activity in the Donetsk and Luhansk Regions that declared their independence. But White House Press Secretary Saki, she had to clarify Joe, saying that Biden's actions were not the greater sanctions threatened in reaction to a full blown invasion. To be clear, she said, these measures are separate from and would be in addition to the swift and severe economic measures we have been preparing in coordination with allies and partners should Russia further invade Ukraine. That's kind of like Barack Obama's, you know, that famous red line in the sand that he put in front of Syrian President Basar Assad who was gassing and killing thousands of his own people. And Obama said, hey, if he kills another, Syrian, a Syrian person, a citizen of Syrian using gas, that's our red line. Well, guess what Bashar Assad did? He, he killed them, he gassed some more. And guess what Barack and Joe did? Nada. Biden has always left open the possibility that he would permit some Russian military activity in Ukraine, especially A few weeks ago during a press conference, he said this. This is Biden. My guess is he will move in. He has to do something. He's talking about Putin. And he suggested that a, quote, minor incursion would not trigger a response from the United States. So when confronted by the idea of giving permission to Putin to invade Ukraine, Biden told a reporter that big nations can't bluff Well, what the heck did he do? I mean, he stood there for weeks wagging his finger at Putin and says, if you go in there, if you go in there, we're going to take you to the outhouse and you're going to get a whipping from the United States of America. Let me just play foreign policy quote-unquote expert just for a moment. Don't you think it would have been better for us if we're going to levy some really really big sanctions against Russia and oh by the way they have 140 150 160 whatever that's thousands of Russian troops that are on the edge already of Ukrainian border scattered around on three sides they already have that there so you know pretty much they're going to go in why don't you go ahead and sanction them today and say look it's pretty obvious you're planning to go ahead and go in so here it is bam we're going to lay it on you right now. You're sanctioned. You can't do this. You can't do that. We're stopping this coming in your country. We're stopping this. You're not going to get that. And by the way, if you back off, if you take those troops off the border and you follow with what you're telling us that you're not going to invade and you don't invade, we'll take this, we'll remove the sanctions. And instead, what did he do? He stood across the fence, Joe. Joe. And he hollered, don't you do it. Don't you do it. If you do, I'm going to be mad and I'm going to do nasty things to you. Folks, we're talking about the former number two guy at the KGB. They slaughtered their own citizens for looking at them wrong back in the old Soviet Union. Do you think he gives a rip about Joe Biden? Oh, and then in the middle of all of this, guess what comes out of Southeast Asia? Xi Jinping, president of China, he let everybody know. He let everybody know. Hey, Joe, if you get sanctioned, hey, Vlad, excuse me, if you get sanctioned by the United States, don't worry about it. China's going to back you up. We've got your back in all of this. Don't worry about it. If they sanction you, we're going to fix it whatever they take away from you, we're going to make it good. That's exactly what has gone on, and that's what emboldened Vladimir Putin to push forward. And, folks, he's not, he's not through. He's nowhere near being finished with what he's going to do. He's just getting started. It's kind of like, give him an inch, and he'll take a mile. Did you hear about his speech Vladimir Putin? Well, on Monday night, he just went nuts with it. He skewered the Ukrainian government. And the West, by the way. In the speech, he gave his most aggressive remarks yet on the brewing conflict between Moscow and Kiev. He wants Kiev, the capital city of Ukraine, desperately. Putin delivered nearly a half-hour-long speech lobbying allegations of foreign meddling in Ukraine against the West. And he repeated his accusations of oppression of ethnic Russians by the government of Ukraine. He called Ukraine a puppet state of the United States. And it's in this speech when he officially recognized two separatist groups in eastern Ukraine as independent states. He began the speech with a history lesson in which he argued that Ukraine has always truly been a part of Russia that was given away by communists running the Soviet Union which he was one of. But he didn't want anybody to remember that. Ukraine is, quote, an inherent part of our history, culture, and spiritual space. They are our comrades, relatives, not only colleagues, friends, but also our family, people we have blood and family ties with, he said. Adding that the creation of a separate government in Ukraine was a generous gift that even the most blatant nationalists could never dream of. He criticized also the giving away of Hungary and Poland by Soviet-era leaders, including Vladimir Lenin. He said that Ukraine was solely a creation of Lenin. Unlike Ukraine, Poland and Hungary are full members of NATO. Keep that in the back of your mind. That's always out there. Putin cannot bear to even think about Ukraine getting into NATO. He said this contemporary Ukraine should be called the Vladimir Lenin Republic of Ukraine. And then they tore down his statues and called it decommunization. You want decommunization? We're prepared to show you what that really means in Ukraine. In his speech, he, he continued to undermine Ukraine's national sovereignty and frame the country as a threat to Russian security by calling it a puppet of Washington claiming that NATO expansion to include Ukraine is a direct threat to Moscow. He argued that NATO Air Force's stationed in Ukraine could pose a threat to Russia and allege, without citing any evidence, that Ukraine could develop its own weapons of mass destruction, including nuclear weapons. Ukraine joining NATO is a direct threat to Russia, he said. Then he asked the West, why are you trying to make Russia into your enemy? He answered himself. He answered his own question. He said that the West wants to destroy Russia. He then accused us in the U.S. and NATO of performing a takeover of Ukrainian territory to use it for further military operations. And he once again claimed there's a genocide happening against Russians and Russian culture and language in Ukraine, something which no international human rights organization has claimed is happening. He said the Russian language has all but been eliminated from Ukrainian life, which is not true. The speech ended with Putin appearing to create a pretext for war, saying that Russia will have a strong response if Kiev continues its military actions. Around the world, the response was harsh. It was quick, too. Western leaders all in mass promised sanctions against Russia. The White House said it will announce sanctions today (laughs) that are going to prevent investment in the two breakaway regions Moscow recognized as independent, the Donetsk People's Republic and Luhansk People's Republic. The EU, the European Union, France, and the UK all call for new sanctions to be imposed or promise to impose them beginning today, Tuesday. Shortly after the speech, Putin ordered Russian troops into Luhansk and Donetsk on a supposed peacekeeping mission. Those two territories internationally recognized as part of Ukraine have been at war with Kiev since the Russian incursion into Crimea back in 2014. Separatists in the two regions have been recipients of Russian backing since then. So there's only... There's only one thing that has happened to punish Putin for what he's did, what he's doing, and that came from German Chancellor Olaf Scholz, and this is a really, really big deal. He announced that the German government is blocking now the approval process for the Nord Stream 2 natural gas pipeline. And that's probably the biggest, scariest thing that Putin was hoping would not happen because all that gas, natural gas, it goes through that pipeline if it ever is opened up, the Nord Stream 2 natural gas pipeline. It goes from Russia into Germany and from Germany, it goes across Northern Europe and all those Northern European countries, they get 80% of their fuel for the winter, natural gas for heating. They get it coming through Germany. And if the German chancellor is going to block it and not allow Putin to use it, folks, they're, they're, they're really in deep trouble in Northern Europe. Their supplies are way, 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 way down. Why are they down? Well, the pipeline hadn't been turned on and they thought it was supposed to be turned on. And secondly, Joe Biden, you remember him? Remember Mr. Uh, global Warming, Climate Change Joe Biden? Before he was inaugurated, we were selling massive amounts of liquid natural gas. Much of it is refined in South Louisiana, a brand new liquid natural gas plant in Southwest Louisiana. Refining it, cleaning it, putting it on ships and shipping it over to Northern Europe. Joe Biden turned the spigot off in South Louisiana. And those people in Northern Europe, their natural gas supplies, their liquid natural gas supplies all rolled in together, they are now down below 20% of what they need for a normal winter, thanks to President Biden. Nobody's talking about that over here, but you can bet they're talking about it over there. Anyway, we're going to see what the outcome of that's going to be. Germany, I, I, I got to be honest with you folks, I know they're playing tough, but I see when they're looking down the barrel of not having energy necessary to keep their people from freezing to death this winter, and winters last a whole lot longer in Northern Europe than they do here in the U.S., I promise you. They'll cave they won't have any option and guess who's going to have control of all of that vladimir putin so what other kind of sanctions are going to really impact him let me tell you how smart he is you know somebody that has made a fortune based upon biden's edicts about carbon energy and what he did the day starting he the day he was inaugurated as president and he shut down the XL pipeline, canceled their permit. It began happening that day. Our prices, based upon our supplies of energy in the marketplace here, they immediately began to rapidly rise. The cost rose. Same thing happened around the the world. We became an energy-dependent country when two months previous, for the first time in decades, we were energy-independent under Donald Trump. Joe Biden changed all of that. So who is the big beneficiary of Biden's plans of what he did regarding energy here? As of yesterday afternoon, Vladimir Putin and the Russian government has a treasury surplus of 900 billion U.S. dollars. 900 billion. And you know where every dime of that came from? Them selling oil and natural gas to countries around the world that, before Joe Biden was inaugurated, were buying it from us. He has 900 billion extra dollars in his pocket. Now, what can you do if you're a despot running a huge country in northern and eastern Europe? with 900 billion extra dollars. You can afford a hiccup or two because you've got a little pad there, <laughs> close to a trillion dollars to take care of any hiccups that you may experience. What about us back over here? I mean, we had a surplus. The American people were thriving. We were paying a buck sixty-five a gallon for gas. The day he was elected, Joe Biden was elected president, November 3rd. You remember that? What are you paying for gas now? And it's worse around the country. Thank you, Joe Biden. You're a climate change genius. It doesn't exist. Nothing you have done, nothing you are doing is making one bit of difference in our pollution. In fact, you are costing Americans billions of dollars by pandering for political purposes only to a pretty small group of very powerful people. And they see and look ahead, their panacea, what their golden objective is total control of the American people and all of the Americans being reliant upon them for. Everything. Thank you, Uncle Joe. You got us moving on as Americans. Debt we never thought we would ever even think about having or that we would ever be saddled with. And no way out. And our energy costs are going through the roof because of you, President Biden. Because of you
0: Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. Planet Fitness, oh, through the use ten. of motivating ten. montage music, has made it easy to join. Ten. Just remember 10-10-10. Ten, ten, ten. Ten. For 10 days, sign up for $10 and pay just 10, ten. ten bucks a month after that. Ten. Hurry, ten. you only have until November ten. 10th to take advantage of this ten. Planet Fitness ten. offer. Planet Fitness, on ten. 42nd ten. Street, next to Shopco
1: to
0: you. Hi, Tom Bodette. Motel 6's new, improved website lets you book a room and save more for what you travel for faster than ever. Even faster than you can find your keys, which you swore were right on the little hooky thing by the garage door where they always are, and we can land a robot on a comet, but we can't keep keys from disappearing. Oh, here they are. Left them in my jacket. Don't you hate that? I'm Tom Bodette for the new improved Motel6.com, and we'll leave the light on for you. When a governor can tell a president, no rally in my state, it's time for some definitive truth. Here with the goods, again, Dan Newman. I
1: got a name for you. A name that if um, you haven't heard already... You need to make a note of it because it's going to be really prominent in the upcoming elections. Carrie Lake, K-A-R-I, Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake is a media person. She is an Arizona gubernatorial candidate and she has now put a plan in place to destroy fake news media. Her very first political ad is going to expose the BS on Arizona stations, television stations, and they're doing them during their news programs. Listen to this. She has a history of exposing fake news BS. She's doing it now with the commercial that, by law, these news stations have to play. The video is titled, Rigged Elections Have Consequences. And the ad calls out the fake news media for their silence on the 2020 election and lists the terrible consequences that we face, including our weak southern border and rampant inflation. She proves her point. And how does she do it in the ads? Including footage of several ballot harvesters and the scenes are taken from the upcoming movie 2,000 Mules. Now, you haven't heard anything about the 2020 election fraud and that massive audit that was undertaken and completed uh, about the results of the election in Maricopa County only. That, of course, is around Phoenix. And because of pressure, intense pressure, on the legislators in Arizona, they basically just kept it quiet. There was massive election fraud. She's a walkaway Fox 10's News anchor. Carrie Lake, and she knows the tactics of the lying fake news media, and she's about one step ahead. Here's what she is saying today, and she's saying in these ads: quote, I'm Carrie Lake, the Trump-endorsed candidate for Arizona governor. If you're watching this ad right now, it means you're in the middle of watching a fake news program. You know how to know it's fake? because they won't even cover the biggest story out there, the rigged election of 2020. And rigged elections have consequences. We're all feeling it. Soaring prices, a spike in homelessness, and an invasion on our southern border. I'm the only candidate with a plan to tackle all of these issues and more. When I'm governor, I will finish the wall, and criminals who cross our border will be sent back. We'll get the homeless out of our parks and off our streets, and no more masks, swabs, or shots to go to work or to go to school. Our kids will get a real education, not a brainwashing. To see where I stand on all the issues, go to CarryLake.com. Now, let's send the corrupt news the lesson and turn them off. <laughs> These are running in the news Of all of these stations, KPHO, KTVK, KSAZ, KNXV, KPNX, KOLD, KVOA, KYMA, and by Arizona law, they don't have an option. She's a a candidate for office, and they must run them during their newscasts. So she put out a statement yesterday. She said this, my first TV ad titled Rigged Elections Have Consequences airs this Monday. It starts this coming Monday, and it will only air during fake news programs. I am not conventional, boring politician, so it should surprise no one that I don't have conventional, boring campaign ads. If the fake news refuses to tell the truth, it's up to us to do that. I am the only candidate with bold solutions to the problems we face, and I lay many of them out in the first ad. Get ready. I wish we were video for you. I've got the first ad that starts this coming Monday. It is epic. It is epic. So here's what we'll do. I will, um, at the completion of today's TNN Live show, Go back to our homepage story today. If you haven't looked at that story, by the way, you need to do it. Uh, It's epic. Victor Davis Hanson wrote us a guest story today, but I'll go down at the bottom of that story where we always post today's TNN Live podcast, and right below that, I'll put that Carrie Lake ad in there so you can watch it for yourself. It is epic. I can't wait to see how this whole thing with her is going to play out. So let's move on. Gosh, we've only we're less than half hour left in today's show. You're familiar with CPAC. We talk about it. It is a uh, conservative political action conference. It's a big national conference that's put on every every year by this organization and it brings in all of the leading conservatives in the political scene at the time, give speeches, and Donald Trump spoke the last couple of years, and I understand he's speaking at CPAC this year. Well, there's a counter to CPAC that's going on, and I'm sure this excites you to hear about. Who would go up against CPAC and call themselves conservatives? Well, a stampede of those people, of rhinos, Republican in name only, you know what that stands for, They're headed to Washington, D.C. for this weekend. And what are they going to do? They're going to offer some counter-programming to CPAC. CPAC kicks off this Thursday in Washington. It's a two-day summit, and it's hosted by this entity called Principles First, They are promising it's going to focus on conservatism's meaning and the path to a more principled future for our country. That sounds benign. Sounds good enough. And what they really want you to know is it's a grassroots event. To be certain you don't miss that point, the word grassroots is repeated eight times on their homepage. It is, above all else, a grassroots effort to rediscover and champion principles in the 21st century. So who's going to speak at this thing? Well, (laughs) sit down before I give you these names. The lineup includes U.S. Representatives Liz Cheney, Republican from Wyoming, Adam Kinzinger, Republican from Illinois, Brad Raffensperger, Joe Walsh, Bill Kristol, Officer Harry Dunn of the U.S. Capitol Police, and principals first need you to know that they are all there because they are totally principled and grassrootsy. (laughs) <laughs> to maintain the theme and integrity of the event, their site says, our speakers are appearing with no honorariums or reimbursement. Their Saturday agenda includes a discussion on the principles of justice, the Constitution, and the rule of law, principles in the pulpit, the future of faith in America, and equality and opportunity, which asked the question, How do we account for inequality of opportunity among Americans born into different circumstances? But the really big issues are going to be addressed the following day. Topics such as the principles of protecting elections, the pros and cons of forming a new political party, and principles for a new era all on the Sunday table. It was the founder of Principle's First of America lawyer, Health Mayo Heath Mayo, who told CBS News that the event would certainly be counter-programming of CPAC. We want to come together in a visual show of support for people who have taken stands for ideas when it hasn't been comfortable, Mayo said. You don't see those folks yet in rooms that are energized, but I think the energy is there. And of course, as an example, he floated... Liz Cheney, who, along with Adam Kinzinger, they were both censured by the Republican National Committee less than a month ago, and Maryland Governor Larry Hogan, who's wrapped up in a scandal with his indicted former chief of staff as a potential presidential ticket in 2024. But yeah, (laughs) they're principled. So principled, in fact, the principal's first organization is partnered with the Republican Accountability Project, which is backed by Defending Democracy Together, which opens secrets called 2020's top dark money spender. Where? What does that mean, dark money? There's no accountability. Nobody knows where the money comes from. It's just a secret way to support those that you want to put in office, you know, dark money, like George Soros' dark money. Defending democracy together? They've spent $11.5 million on independent expenditures opposing Trump or backing Democrat nominee Joe Biden. The Republican Accountability Project promises to use its cash to ensure that ample resources are available for those principled Republicans who do the right thing and hold Trump accountable for inciting an attack on the U.S. Capitol, an allegation that our FBI spent millions of dollars and hundreds and thousands of FBI investigators to come up with a way because Nancy Pelosi ordered it. You get your butts out there and you find find a way to implicate Donald Trump for the January 6th insurrection, which wasn't an insurrection, but dozens of Americans died because of Donald Trump. There was only one person shot that day, and it was by one of your Capitol Police cops, Nancy. The woman that was shot and killed was shot from behind by a police officer. She was unarmed, wasn't harming anybody. Why the heck did he shoot her? Well, the coroner in Washington, D.C., termed her official cause of death as murder. This guy didn't even get investigated. No charges against him, even though the official in the case, the coroner, said he murdered that young woman. Man, you just can't believe this stuff. It just gets bigger and bigger and grows and grows. And we got to talk about the midterms. Yeah, we're getting to that point in our election cycle, aren't we? This fall, November midterms. A new poll from the National Republican Congressional Committee. It came out yesterday since bad news for Democrats. Despite, well, maybe it's not despite, maybe it's because of, the Democrats' pandering and promises of a bunch of freebies, Hispanic voters in the U.S. are moving dramatically and in large mass towards the Republican Party. Exit polls from the 2020 election showed Hispanic voters favoring Democrats 63 to 36 percent. But after a, a year of life under Joe Biden and his leadership, The national Republican poll reveals that in battleground districts, the margin has dropped a whopping 20 points, 44% to 37%. As the poll states, only one conclusion can be drawn from those numbers. Hispanic voters are moving away from Democrats. Now, why is that? People on the left, Nancy Pelosi from that generation, and she's a generation ahead of me, folks. I'm old, but she's ancient. From that generation, they still feel like they have made a great case through the years that everybody who's of ethnic classification, African American, Hispanic, they've got to vote Democrat. They've got to support Democrat causes and Democrat election candidates that run across the board. They're obligated. Why? Because the Democrat Party are the ones that have them and everything about them at heart. They don't understand these old, 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 old Democrats don't understand. Hispanic peoples today, they look at what this Democrat Party has built and what is playing out every day down in our southern border is a huge threat against the Hispanic Americans that are already here, that are here legally, that are working. They came here. They did it the right way, the legal way. They've created a new life for them and their family members, and they love the American dream, that thing that Democrats beat over the head every day and want to take it away from us all. and they just don't get it. While Hispanic voters are evenly split on Biden's performance in office, 46% approve, 46 disapprove. Much of those who disapprove, disapprove strongly, 37%, compared to just 26% who say they strongly approve. Biden's underwater with several key Hispanic voter groups, including men and independents and voters under the age of 55. As for Kamala VP Harris, only 23% give her a favorable approval. 39% rate her as strongly unfavorable. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, she won the title of most unpopular Democrat politician among Hispanics. 21% strongly support her. 40% strongly disapprove of her. And this is a big deal, folks, just because we're headed into November midterm elections and there's so much on the line, it's just uncanny what a big election this is going to be. There's some other news out there. And it goes back to the racial thing. Words like racism and equity have become not so much a buzz in the nation, but a battle cry in today's culture war. But all you need to look at is the stark difference in the treatment of Black Lives Matter rioters and the events of January 6, 2021, to see a trend in the nation that should disturb us all. Our courts and the liberal media and the liberal left in politics, folks, they're feeding racism, exacerbating racism. In a country that has struggled for decades, and we had made great strides in wiping the ugly ideology from the collective conscious of the nation. Why? Because things were getting better. Were they good? Well, that's, that's a subjective opinion, but I can tell you this. They were far better than when I was a kid in junior high school in South Louisiana. So Miranda Devine, who I, I simply adore her, she is a great writer. She wrote an opinion piece for the New York Post and she details example after example of biased narratives and legal actions illustrating very plainly the privileged or conversely demonizing treatment of U.S. citizens based on their political ideology, not on facts, but on ideology. When prominent young far-left activist Quintez Brown was arrested last week for trying to assassinate a Jewish mayoral candidate in Kentucky... He was portrayed sympathetically by the media, and he was immediately bailed out of jail by his Black Lives Matter comrades. They crowdfunded $100,000 to bail him out of jail. Brown, age 21, has Black Lives Matter privilege. He's connected. A celebrated gun control advocate anointed as a rising star by the Obama Foundation. He was an honored guest on Joy Reid's MSNB show, Miranda Devine continued. He was granted a bi-weekly opinion column in the Louisville Courier-Journal to spew boilerplate leftist race-based anti-cop sentiment. GoFundMe, you know, the same people that they stopped allowing contributions for the trucker thing up in Canada, well, they allowed donations to him for his bail money, though, as was noted, it famously shut down fundraising efforts to stop that nonviolent Canadian Freedom Convoy truckers, nonviolent, unarmed January sickers. They can't get any bail. They're vilified as domestic terrorists and are banned from crowdfunding resources to pay their crippling legal expenses. Nonviolent Canadian truckers are also vilified, refuse crowdfunding, have their bank accounts frozen, and their small fry donors are doxed. See any discrepancy there? It's clear to many that Democrats enjoy a level of protection conservatives are seldom, if ever, afforded. No one has doxed the donors to Black Lives Matter Louisville Community Bail Fund like they did the people who donated To the Canadian truckers or even to Kyle Rittenhouse. The Washington Post didn't go phoning Black Lives Matter donors asking them to explain themselves like they did the trucker donors. Instead, the official narrative about Brown was immediately shaped to make him look good. Folks, he threatened to assassinate a Jewish mayoral candidate in Kentucky. He was despicted as a social justice activist that has some mental health issues and blame for the shooting was initially attributed on social media to white supremacists. He's black. The media is shameless in their spin to shape a narrative. The Las Vegas Sun, here's an example. They slyly published an editorial saying, quote, the shooting comes amid a rise in threats against politicians fueled by increasingly violent rhetoric coming from extremist Republicans. The editorial later was edited to include Brown's BLM links, but the gratuitous slander against Republicans, they didn't touch that. They left it in. Miranda Devine goes on to show how the events of January 6th were painted as the worst attack on American democracy since the Civil War, While the far more violent and 1,300 times more costly 2020 BLM rioters were given a pass, unlike the piecemeal legal treatment of the BLM riots, the criminal investigation into the Capitol riot is the largest in U.S. history. And there have been less than a handful that have been convicted of anything outside or more serious than trespassing. While all of what divine rights is demonstrably and irref- irrefutably true the bigger issue is the toll this racially divisive treatment is taking on all american minds years of being called racist neo-nazis tends to have an effect on people particularly on those who genuinely wouldn't consider judging a situation or anybody based on their skin color you simply cannot bombard decent, everyday people with blanket accusations of hateful deeds and then not expect an emotional anger-fueled response. People are just getting tired of this. Sadly, it is sad to say, but those very responses, that get twisted into so-called examples of the systemic racism the left continues to claim has infiltrated our nation. It's a no-win situation for any of us, who in the overwhelming majority would rather heed the words of MLK, Dr. Martin Luther King and base our judgment on, you know, a novel thing, a person's character not on the color of their skin, but don't expect anybody on the left to take his guide on that. Oh no. If your skin is white, you've got to be a white supremacist, especially if you don't lay down in front of the BLM gods and just plead your case. I support everybody that's of different skin color and I hate white. I know I'm white, but I hate myself. Please let me be a part. Please accept me. That's what we're getting into now, folks. When you start and end your opinions about anybody based on skin color, you're not going to end up getting a good result. And politics pandering to this, folks, it just gets worse and worse. New York City's got a new mayor. And he is a lifer in the New York City Police Department. I would think nobody would know better than he about the horrors going on in, in crime in New York City. And he came in and he told us, I'm going to straighten things out. Our mass transportation system, we're going to take it on. And it's you're, you're not ever going to have to be fearful to ride a subway in Manhattan anymore. Six people were stabbed over the weekend in New York City's subway system. And that came directly after New Mayor Eric Adams and New York Governor Kathy Hochul announced a brand new safety plan to combat violent crime and the homeless problem on public transit in New York City. Friday, they both together announced that the new subway safety plan would address safety concerns and support the homeless and mentally ill while cracking down on anybody caught sleeping across multiple seats, exhibiting aggressive behavior towards passengers, or creating an unsanitary environment in the subway transit system. In other words, peeing and crapping in subway cars. It's cruel and humane to allow unhoused people to live on the subway. Unfair to paying passengers and transit workers who deserve a clean, orderly, and safe environment, Adams proclaimed. The days of turning a blind eye to this growing problem, they're over. There's a new guy in town. I'm the sheriff. (laughs) For too long, our mental health care system suffered from disinvestment, and the pandemic has only made things harder for New Yorkers with serious mental illness who are experiencing homelessness, the governor noted in a separate statement. We must work together to keep our subways the light blood of New York city safe for all riders to get help and services to those in need. They forgot to tell us, I guess that they hadn't quite started that subway safety plan yet, or if they did, it certainly didn't work. But let me tell you what's waiting in the wings out there, just watching all this happen. If there's no accountability, for doing wrong, for breaking laws, big or little. There's no accountability. There's no incentive for somebody not to break a law. You ever watch that movie, The Green Mile? It's a good movie, and it just illustrates some things. It's It was supposed to be in a Louisiana prison. It was a death row, egregious kind of situation there. It, uh, it wasn't from the Louisiana prison, but that's not my point. But there was a point made in one line in it by, if you if you if you kill him, if you put him to death, that's not gonna that's not gonna be a uh, a reason to stop somebody else from killing. People are still gonna kill. And one of the actors in the show responded and said, "Well, it will stop one person from ever committing murder." There's got to be there's got to be a pushback. There has to be accountability. And this is all happening, and we just told you six people were stabbed over the weekend in subways in New York. Guess who is at the bottom of all of this and has a huge role, is playing a huge role in violent crime in New York City continuing right along? It's new Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. And he's the guy that came in and he said, hey, I'm tired of putting people in jail. We're not going to do that here. We're going to downgrade every one of the penalties for all of the crimes that happen in New York City. And we're not going to put people in jail like we used to. Well, listen to what happened over the weekend. Claude Myers, a guy named Claude Myers, age 54, he has 46 prior arrests. And he's on parole in Manhattan. And so what did he do? He snatched cash from a woman in the subway station. He unzipped her backpack and pulled out $60 on Thursday about 5 in the afternoon inside the Lexington Avenue 63rd Street station. Myers didn't realize that a plainclothes transit cop was watching. He saw Myers count the $320 bills, then slip them into his wallet. So police arrested him, charged him with grand larceny in the fourth degree for removing the property from a person, criminal possession of stolen property, and possession of a controlled substance after recovering a clear container with synthetic cannabis from his pocket. But when prosecutors wrote up the complaint against Myers, the chop charge, the number 1 charge, was downgraded from felony grand larceny to petty larceny. Judge Michael Gaffey ordered Myers released without bail. No bail. 46 prior arrest and he's walking the streets a free man today. No accountability. None whatsoever. And people think it's going to (laughs) stop. It ain't stopping, folks. It's going to keep right on. That's a wrap. TNN Live today, Tuesday. Thank you for being here. We're going to be back tomorrow morning, every weekday morning, 9 to 11. We'll see you then.
4: Some say that we're reckless. We say we're much to you.
0: Tell us to stop before we begin. We've got
4: to hold. is sleeping We meet at Lincoln Hall Talk about